This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Did you bring a Bible and you're not embarrassed about it? Woo! I like it. Amen. I like this church. I like your pastors. I like their family. I like you. Hallelujah. And I've got something I'm going to share with you today. I believe it'll stir you up. Is that all right if we stir you up? Go to Romans with me. Book of Romans. Book of Romans chapter 9. We are here. We might as well squeeze every drop we can out of what God has today. I mean, you didn't laze around and forget to go to church. So now you're here. You might as well get everything you can get out of it. You might as well leave healed, whole, delivered, set free, got answers, got direction, got your zeal back, got your fire back. A lot of people have lost their fire. What a shame to have lost your fire in the Holy Ghost fire and fire church. I'm going to say that again. Testing. Is this, is this on? It's a shame to lose your fire in a Holy Ghost and fire church. So to do that, you had to pull back from the flame some way or another. Amen. You ought to do, you ought to get your drawn near going. So I'm going to preach to you today in Jesus' name, and you're going to get answers. And the devil's not going to like anything I share with you. You all right with that? Amen. How many of you are fully submitted to the devil? Uh, it's a fake out question. You, you didn't see it coming. No, we're not fully submitted to no demons, that's for sure. Romans chapter 9, chapter uh, 9, verse 25. As he saith also in Osi, or Joshua, I will call them my people which were not, which were not my people. And her loved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people... There shall they be called the children of the living God. I like uh, one one, uh, translation says, uh, uh, I'll take a nobody and make a somebody. I'll take a no. Man, I was a nobody. I don't know about you. Maybe you you were the high life of all life. I was a nobody. I was nobody. I did not come from a prominent family. I did not come from a ministerial family. Au contraire. I came from a full-blooded heathen family. Some of them are still struggling with their heathenism. They're not, they haven't got it straightened out yet. I was nobody from nowhere. But one day, I made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life, and it absolutely changed and transformed everything. Now, let me give you a couple uh, uh, parts of that. Uh, I tease about this. You know, when, my, when I was two years old, my mom got saved. Somebody had ministered to her mother, and I believe it was her sister. And uh, they got saved, and then they started on my mom. And my mom ended up getting saved when I was two. Well, you know, as I'm, I'm just a little one and toddling around in church, you know. So, honestly, all my memories of life are related i don't that's a good thing by the way because now that i'm almost 30 years old i can promise you that's a why do you laugh at all those jokes now that i'm 58 years old i have all these a whole life of church i have zero regrets zero zero but as i got a little older you'd go to you you know in our day growing up in church we'd have sunday school and then we'd have uh, all the kids sat in the sanctuary for the whole, you know, the actual preaching. And I'd hear the pastor preaching about Jesus is coming soon, and you need to get born again. If you're not born again, man, I want to be born again. I was desperate to get born again. And nobody bothered to say how. That's a tidbit of information you might want to pass along. You can't just tell people they're going to hell, you need to get born again. you got to tell them how to get born again. Nobody bothered with me. And my mom, evidently, she just figured, you know, the church was doing it. And the church figured mom was doing it. Between the two of them, nobody was doing it. I'd go to bed every night. 
begging God to save me. I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't want to miss the rapture. Well, when I was eight years old, you know, in my Sunday school class, somebody brought a visitor to church that day. And this little girl who I don't think I've ever seen since that Sunday morning when I was eight years old, 50 years ago. And because this visitor was there, the Sunday school teacher took time to tell her how to get born again. Buddy, that was the information I was looking for. My ears perked up, and I realized that's what you do. So that day, that day before church was over, I went forward and I made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life, and I've been living for Jesus Christ full throttle ever since I was eight years old. Ever since I was eight years old. I mean, this that's it. I, I, I was, at eight years old, I knew what I was doing. At eight years old, I knew I wanted to do this. And at eight years old, I had enough good sense to know that when you give your life to Jesus, your life no longer belongs to you. Now, if some of you would get a revelation of that, it would change all kinds of stuff for you. Huh? If some of you would get a revelation of when you gave your life to Jesus, it no longer belongs to you, you'd quit struggling on what you can sip, what you can smoke, what you can watch, and where you can go and who you can go with. Those struggles would disappear for you. Thank you for your enthusiasm about my outstanding message here. Come on. But I was a nobody. And he made somebody out of me. I'm now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I belong to Jesus Christ. I am His. He is mine. His Word abides in me. I abide in Him. He abides in me. Now when I walk out and I say the name of Jesus. See, I know, see, I know the power of the name of Jesus. But there's a lot of people that when they speak the name of Jesus, there's no power behind it. Because they don't live the Word. The Word doesn't live in them. They don't even, they don't, they come to Jesus Christ visiting hours, you know. Sunday morning is Jesus Christ visiting hours. You're going to have to get your amen or fixed because I have a problem shutting down early when nobody supports me. I assume you needed it a little longer. So you could have a late lunch today if you don't start getting this thing going on in here. I don't want to be held responsible because you didn't get lunch till 2.30 this afternoon because you're weak on your amens. You with me now? Well, when I say the name of Jesus, I know something's going to change. When I pray something out, I know it was set in motion and it's on the way. But I gave my heart to Jesus as a nobody. He washed me from my sins in his blood, made me a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And now I have his authority. Now I have his name. Now I have the power of the Holy Ghost working on the inside of me. I'm a legit Christian. I'm not fake news. We got a lot of fake Christians. They're a Christian at church. They're a Christian in name only. But I'm talking about I gave my life to Jesus. I don't belong to me. I didn't have a choice on whether or not I came to church today. You thought you did. Three o'clock lunchtime, the way this is going right here. Yeah. You're going to keep messing with me. We're going to be here till the evening service. He caused me to be named a child of God when I was not a child of God. But now I am a child of God. And I'm not going to taint that, destroy that, damage that, embarrass the Lord Jesus Christ for the price that he paid to make me his own. Call me his own. I'm called by the name of the Lord Jesus. So at eight years old, I gave Jesus Christ my life. He's mine, I'm his. Well, we were a Holy Ghost church, but once again, you don't get a lot of information you needed to have. So it took me to the ripe old age of nine years old when I was at a children's ministry camp I got baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Woo, we had a powerful service. Just a little kids' church service up in the mountains, you know, children's ministry. 
Don't tell me about you don't care a thing about children's ministry. You pause right there, honey. I'm a, your guest speaker today is a product of the children's ministry. And don't tell me it doesn't matter. Don't tell me putting the word in the kids there doesn't matter because it sure mattered for me. So now I'm nine years old. I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. Well, I'd started playing the guitar, you know, and I started writing songs just as a kid. I'm talking about as a kid. Now, they're not usable now. You know, you wouldn't want to hear it. But I kept at it, you know, I just kept at it. And uh, when I got to be 13 years old, the ripe old age of 13, I started getting asked to preach. You don't ask somebody to preach who doesn't have anything in them. I'll try that again. You don't ask anybody to preach who doesn't have anything in them. Well, my point is, even at age 13, I was pouring the Word into my heart day and night. I was living this, and it was an evidence. It was a witness to everybody around me. This guy's legit. He's serving Jesus Christ. How many birthdays I had was no longer significant. I was locked in. I served Jesus Christ. People could tell it. Wasn't I? I wasn't trying to advertise it to others. I was just a witness by being who I now was, a child of God. That's what he said he called me. You with me now? So I, I had four outside preaching engagements. In other words, outside the local church I attended, four at age 13. 13. I am still very close friends with one of the pastors who had me in when I was 13 years old. He's still alive. He's in his 80s now. Not pastoring now, but he's in his 80s. And we call each other, talk on the phone every, you know, a couple times a year. He's a good man, powerful man. And then I just kept at it. I kept serving Jesus. And then when I was 17, I went full-time ministry. I mean, you start at 13, you might as well kick it on in, man. You're 17. Why be a slacker? Move along. And so, but, uh, so I stand here before you, uh, and I've been, I've been preaching in full-time ministry since I was 17 years old. So I said all of that to say to you, I know something about authentic Christianity. And I can spot the fake from a mile away. Are you all listening to me? You know, they, they say one of the ways to always be able to tell a counterfeit bill. You know, they don't counterfeit $1 bills. You're wasting your time. You, you want bigger, you know, denominations. You, you counterfeit 20s and 50s and 100s and that sort of thing. They'd say that the way to always know when you're looking at a counterfeit is by having studied the genuine. Because the more you know the genuine, the less you can be sucked in by the fake and the counterfeit. You'll know immediately. That's phony. That's phony. I know the real. I know the authentic. I want to teach you some things about authentic today. Because here we are in the last of the last days, I believe with all my heart, Jesus Christ is coming very soon. Rapture of the church will take place very soon. You're ready or you're not. But I can promise you who he's coming for is going to be the authentic. It's going to be the real deal. Somebody go ahead and say amen. So I'm going to show you some verses today. I want you to know these verses. Look at these verses with me. Will you do that? Because it's time for us to be the real deal. The world is looking for the real deal, man. Before I go to my my first verse, have you noticed the craze? Uh, You know, I don't have anything against them. I just don't go because I don't care. It's just not my deal. I don't really care. But have you noticed the craze where making movies is concerned? It's always about a superhero. They got superheroes every other week. They got a new, you know, superhero movie. And, you know, Superman, Batman, Aquaman. Gooberman, I don't know who all they got out there now. There's always somebody, you know, they've got the Avengers. They've got all this stuff. I've never, honestly, sorry, I never got to any of them. 
Um, just really, I don't care if you do. I just tell you, I just, it's not my deal. And the reason people like that is they're always looking for a hero. Why don't we be the hero? Why don't we be so authentic in serving Jesus that we are living, walking, breathing book of Acts Christians with the same signs, wonders, miracles following our life as we saw in the book of Acts? Because that's what the world is looking for in the first place. That's why they're chasing after all these movies. They're looking for a hero. They're looking for somebody that genuinely gets this stuff and understands that I can take authority over that right now in Jesus' name, and that's going to stop. Or that's going to leave your body. Hallelujah. That they know God. They don't just know about God. And like I said earlier, they just don't visit Him on Sunday mornings from, from 10 to 12. You know, Jesus' visiting hours. And then go back and do what they do. They're sold out, man. I'm as sold out Monday night at midnight as I am Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Be the hero. Go to the book of Zephaniah. I probably should have told you that before we started church. You'd have had time to find it. Zephaniah. It's in the Bible. There's a table of contents in the front part of your Bible. and Don't be ashamed if you ever have to use it. It, it may not be God-breathed, but it sure helps. Zephaniah, not Zechariah, Zeph. You know it's right in front of Haggai. Zephaniah chapter 3. Are you there? I'll, I'll give it to, is it okay? I keep leaning on this. Is this like a... It's a, I'm not breaking some kind of church rule. Get your hands off. The, you touch it one more time. Zephaniah. You did find it. It is in the Bible. Chapter 3. Good news, there's only three chapters, so. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 13. Give me a big amen when you're there and you're looking at it. It says this, The remnant of Israel shall do no iniquity, or shall not do iniquity. The remnant, the remnant. See, when you became an authentic Christian... Hear me now. When you became an authentic Christian, it changed your lifestyle, not just your life. You didn't, you didn't just get a ticket to heaven and now you get to go do what you want to do. You're part of the remnant. And I'm going to explain what the remnant is here in just a moment. I'll give you a definition. The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity nor speak lies. Well, I'm sure glad that you're excited about it. Not being a liar. You ever been around a liar and you knew they were lying and they were the only ones in the room that thought everybody in the room knew or didn't think they were lying and everybody's going, oh boy, right, okay. I'm not that guy. I don't want to ever be that guy. I'm a truth teller. I don't lie in the pulpit. I don't lie out of the pulpit. I'm not, I was not raised to be a liar. How come we got so many liars in church? Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to go ahead and hit on that. You shake hands with people after church Sunday morning, they'll say these words. See you tonight. And they're not coming. They haven't come. When, when we had Jesus Christ booked to do a Sunday night service, they didn't show up. So I, I know they're not coming when they tell me that. Man, we've had, we've had signs, wonders, and miracles on Sunday night. They've never showed up yet. I'm preaching better than your amen. You've got to get this straightened up. Robert, I'm, I'm, you're on the front row. I'm requiring you to give me some amens every once in a while. All right, all right. Are y'all listening to me? We don't do iniquity. We don't live one thing at church and another thing out of church. Right? We're not one thing with this group of friends and another with another group of friends. We're authentic. We're the authentic. It says here in verse 13, The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies. Neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. For they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Let me give you a couple of definitions that I would like you to jot down 
because I believe this will help you. The, the, simply saying, first of all, that the remnant, God's people, the remnant of God's people are a different type of people. They're just completely a different type of people because we're real. But here's, here's some definitions of the word remnant. What does it mean? What does remnant mean? A remnant is a piece or part of the original. A remnant is a piece or part of the original. A piece or a part of the original. Remnant is, to, or let me just say this, to be part of, you know, the remnant means you are radically identified and connected to the authentic. To be remnant means you are radically identified and connected to the authentic. I mean, when you see the book of Acts, people gave their life to Jesus. They gave their life to Jesus. They weren't playing church on a Sunday morning and then exit the church and live how they want, do what they want, and go where they want, and then try to drag back in next week. No, they, they, they were radically connected to the authentic. Let me say this. This is a real clear one. A remnant church looks and behaves like Jesus. A remnant church looks and behaves like Jesus. When we don't look anything like him or behave anything like him, we might want to get back to the altars and find out where we missed it. Because a remnant church looks and behaves like Jesus Christ. Well, what would that mean? Well, that would also mean we'd walk in that same anointing, the same power, the same wisdom. Come on now. A remnant church loves what he loves and hates what he hates. A remnant church loves what he loves and hates what he hates. And as I said a minute ago, a remnant church operates in the same anointing that was on Jesus because we are part of the original. My wife and I now uh, were newlyweds. We, we have been married now only 39 years. Next year will be 40. And then I think after 40, you become a veteran. You're no longer, is that, is that how it works? I don't know. But I'm a frequent flyer and I see things from traveling all over the place. Some of them disturb me greatly. Um, I'll be standing in line. You know, I'm, when I travel, if you're, if you're a traveler at all, you never have to do anything with the airlines. You know, there's usually line, line one, line two, and then the other people sit until line one, line two. Well, I'm line one guy. I'm always in line one. I'm up there. And so there's times I'm waiting for the message, you know, you can board now. And uh, I'll be just kind of watching some of the people. And one of the things that always grieves me when a man's about to get on the plane is when he reaches for his wedding ring because he's about to travel out. And he pulls his ring off, has a little package already prepared to slip it in, sticks it in his uh, carry-on bag, and now he's going to go out on the road. I don't know if he's out for a week or what he's... But the wedding ring comes off. That's the way a lot of Christians are when we... You're dismissed. We'll leave Jesus here. We'll see you when we fly back in. Yeah. It, it, am I too straight or did you want a three steps to an easy Cadillac message? You want that one? Huh? Something's wrong that you pull your ring off. Because the ring identifies me. It's a public announcement to the entire world. I got me a lady at home. She's mine, I'm his, I'm hers. Do you, you understand what I mean? I mean, she belongs to me, I belong to her. So I, th- this, this is a message sender. So when I purposely take it off to board the plane, because I'm going out of town for a week, there's times I wish I had a video camera, I could have videoed dork knob. Take his ring off and then text his wife. Here he goes. Your frequent flyer husband's on the road again. I feel the same way about Christians. 
who live one way in church, another way out of church. One way at home, another way when somebody's coming by their home. But the thing is, the most that the, the, those of us who walk with Jesus, especially if we've done it a while, we live for Jesus, we're committed to Jesus, we know. We know fake. I've got a few family members that smoke. And um, it's the funniest thing in the world because when they when they come to see me, they'll try to fake it out with some foo-foo, squirt a little stuff, some sauce in their mouth. And, you know, and I'll never know they, they, they smoke because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to offend me. Well, it's not offending me in the first place, but it's funny how they'll try to fake it out like I haven't been smoking. You still stink like cigarette. When you opened your car door... The reason I said that isn't about smoking right now. It's about when you don't live right, you have an aroma in the spirit realm. Are you hearing me now? We know it's fake stuff. And a remnant Christian, a remnant church, true remnant, is radically identified and connected with the authentic. We look and live and act and talk like Jesus Christ. We don't act and talk like sinners. You see, when I fly around the country, my ring stays on. My commitment to my wife stays on. I act like a married man, talk like a married man, travel like a married... Am I helping anybody in here? I haven't been dismissed from my commitment just because I'm going to go out of town. I'm trying to be as right in your face with stuff as I can today then why in the world do you think we should be doing that with Jesus Christ? Why are you sipping stuff you shouldn't be sipping? Why are you you different when your pastor comes around than you are when he's not around? Huh. How come your language changes? I thought you were remnant. Radically identified with the authentic. I'm a I'm a book of Acts believer. I mean, I'm walking in... It hasn't ended. Book of Acts hasn't even ended. We're still doing this stuff. We still live this. There hasn't been one thing changed. Not one thing passed away. Not one thing done away with. But what has changed is our commitment level. Let me tell you about Mr. Wedding Ring. Mr. Wedding Ring will eventually get caught somehow. Mr. Wedding Ring will probably end up crushing a good woman and losing a wife and losing a family and causing a devastating heartache for decades to come for the generations of the family. Mr. Wedding Ring. What do you think is happening to all those who we say were Christians, but then they see how we act and how we live outside of church? I'm pausing for effect right now. I just want actually I'm trying to see if anybody here is still breathing. Or oh, we should call the paramedics. You doing okay? Is this too strong? Yeah, I've been here long enough to preach to this church long enough for you all to know what you were gonna get when you got when I came in. I'm a straight shooter, I can shoot it straight. We're in the last days, man. I ain't got time to mess with you. You're either right or you're not right. If you're not right, get right. I'm not here to slam you that you're not right. I'm not here to condemn you that you're not right. I'm here to tell you, if you're not right, get right. Be real. You know, this is the age of fake news, make-believe news. They make stories up. They don't even have to be true. You know, I don't know if I should do this, but don't get mad at me if I hit your favorite news network. Don't be mad at me. This is over 20 years ago. Uh, the one with the, uh, has it's just the initials. Uh, it stands, the, the, it's CNN. It stands for constantly negative news. But anyway, anyway, oh, over 20 years ago, they were pushing a narrative about Israel. They didn't like Israel and they didn't want, you know, people visiting Israel and that the terrorists were doing this and that and, uh, Israelis were terrible people. And so they were trying to show don't go there because of this bad traffic. 
It's horrific traffic. So if you were to travel to Israel, you're probably going to get caught and the terrorists are going to kill you. So, and so they got this footage, you know, of this bad traffic. But they weren't in, see, CNN is in Atlanta, Georgia. They weren't smart enough when they took the, the, the Atlanta traffic and filmed it and pretended that it was Israel to block out the Georgia license plates. You see, you see, there is no Georgia license plates driving around Israel. There's a lot of fakes, make-believe stuff. I've got to tell my story however I want to tell it. That's the way we've got a lot of fake Christianity. And the problem is people like it. People want to go to a church where they'll let them know, I'm okay, you're okay, do what you want, anytime you want. But that's not genuine. That's not the authentic. Man, when I got, when I, in 1980, July 18th, 1980, I came to the altar in front of the man of God with this beautiful woman and we pledged our lives to each other. I, I'm going to tell you, I didn't want to find out she was only half-hearted about it and she, and she has me and five others. She didn't want to find out I was half-hearted about it and I had her and five others. It was a genuine commitment. See, I'm talking about, we started it in worship, singing about Jesus Christ. He's ours. He's, he came into our life. He's, are you legit about this stuff? Because it will change how you live. It'll change where you go and what you do and what you'll participate. It'll change what, what you allow around you. What you permit. You listening to me now? Can I give you some more verses? Are you mad at me with just the two or three that I've read so far? Let's go to Luke. Book of Luke, chapter 4. See, the authentic is Jesus Christ. I'm identified with Jesus Christ. I'm not identified with the fake. Folks, I'm identified with the real, the authentic, the genuine. I'm a Jesus man, so I speak his word. I don't just take the parts of his word that I like. It's all, it's all his, then I'm speaking all of it. I'm living all of it. I'm doing all of it. In the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Them that are bruised. Now, I said earlier, a remnant or remnant church is going to have the same anointing that was on Jesus on you. How many of you are part of the remnant church? Then that same anointing is on you to do these things. We should be operating in that same anointing. You should be walking around as a witness, as a light, as your own personal deliverance center. You can help people. You can change their life. People have all, you know, this is a different age, different time. Uh, and uh, people are just, they're just bruised living life. And he said, I'm anointed. This is what Jesus said. Look at this. I'm anointed to heal the brokenhearted. And then the last line, to set at liberty them that are bruised. In the W.E. Vines dictionary, that word bruised there means broken by calamity. Broken with, uh, broken by calamity. Let me help you with the day we live in. It's hard to come, to go anywhere and not come across somebody that's been broken by calamity. And they need help. But the fake can't help. The make-believe can't help. The sugar-coated can't help. But the authentic, anointed with the same anointing that was on Jesus, can help somebody. Because every day, you and I in our lives are going to cross paths with somebody that has been broken by calamity. You know what a bruise is? A bruise is an injury, uh, you know, that's right below the surface. And if you've got a bruise, man, you'll be tender. I mean, you're tender to that all the and until that thing completely heals, you'll always be tender. You don't want to be touched there. 
Sometimes people are bruised by what's happening to them in life, and they don't want certain conversations around them. They, you know, it's a bruise. It's still a hurt. There's deliverance for those people. There's anointing to set those people free. But only if we become the true remnant who are part of the authentic. Living this every hour of every day. Not just occasionally. Somebody say amen now. Amen. Many people respond in life the way they do because of what's happened to them in life. But there's deliverance. They don't have to live the rest of their life like that. They can be totally free. They can come out of the bondage. Go to the book of Ezra. Book of Ezra. I know I'm looking up some verses on you here, but go with me to Ezra. Table of contents is in the front. (laughs) Book of Ezra, chapter 9. Ezra chapter 9, let me know when you're there. You're there, all right, look at verse 8. And now, for a little space, grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place. Now, that, that phrase, nail in his holy place, means to get a firm grip, you get a secure hold on what he has for you that our God may lighten or enlighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. I'm telling you right now, when you come in contact with the authentic, revival starts taking place and bondage starts falling off and you escape that stuff. God has a grace for us to walk in that we can now tap into this same anointing that was on Jesus Christ. And it'll impact our community. It'll impact the people everywhere we are and everywhere we go. Because we're legit Christians. We're the real deal. We're not the make-believe. We're not trying to pretend that we're super powerful people and super anointed. We just have Jesus in us so I can help you. I have the Word in me. I can help you. Because I'm the authentic. I gave my life to Jesus. And I don't belong to me anymore. I don't belong to me anymore. He wants to get us out of bondage. Aren't you glad about that? And he wants to give us a little reviving. Go to Isaiah chapter 10. Book of Isaiah chapter 10. Woo! Hallelujah! Isaiah chapter 10, verse 22. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 22. It says, for though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption even determined in the midst of all the land. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, O my people that dwellest in Zion, be not afraid of the Assyrian. He shall uh, smite thee with a rod and shall lift up his staff against thee after the manner of Egypt. In other words, all these things of sin and the world, the flesh, try to come against you. But now listen. For yet a very little while and the indignation shall cease and mine anger in their destruction. Ha ha. Now back up to 20. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay upon him that smote him. Pause. Pause. The word stay means lean on. We're no no longer going to lean on the very addictions and bondages and things that we've already been freed from through Jesus. We're going to lean on the Lord. He said, shall no more lean on him that smote them, but shall lean upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. Well, what are you leaning on? Because that will determine 
where your focus is, that will determine whether or not you're putting your attention on the authentic or on the phony baloney that keeps you in bondage and keeps you, you know, a captive to sin and the works of the devil. I mean, you know, I love Jesus. I, I mean, I love Jesus. So I don't want to do stuff that shames him, embarrasses him, belittles him, mocks him. He's the one who set me free and I go back out and play with stuff that puts me in bondage and lean on that again. No, I'm going to lean on the Lord. He keeps me out of bondage. He keeps me out of addictions. Come on. Come on now. Now let me say to you, if you've got anything you're addicted to, Jesus Christ, the deliverer is here to deliver you today. There's no reason for you to stay bound. What I'm saying is you've got to learn who you're supposed to be leaning on. Because if you lean on booze, you'll be leaning on booze till the day you take your last breath. It'll be your, your so-called escape all the while it's wrapping its tentacles around you and taking you down further and further and further. You want to go after all these drugs and all this pornography and all these different things? As, as your thing to lean on when pressure hits your life? Well, I'll tell you what will happen. He'll take you straight to hell with it. Because anything the devil promises to bring pleasure into your, into your life with will be something that he will capture you with and make a slave to sin. So he said, don't, don't, don't lean on those things, those things that bound you. You're free from that. Don't go back and lean on that. You know, the Bible actually, there's times, man, the Bible can be really frank. It can be really blunt. You ever read some of those verses? I'm going to throw one out at you. The Bible talks about it's like a dog returning to his own vomit. That's nasty stuff, but that's what it means. That's what it means when you and I come to the altar, give our life to Jesus, and then go back out and swim in the filth that we have been set free from. Y'all getting this message today? I don't know if it's the humdinger you were you were hoping for, but I'm telling you, in these last days, we've got to get back to the authentic. We've got to get back to the genuine because it'll change everything about your life. It'll change everything about the ministry here. I'm telling you, everything will flourish once we became once we get back and say, "I'm identified. I'm connected to the genuine, the authentic. I'm sold out to Jesus Christ. I'm not fake. I'm not phony. I'm the real deal, man." I'm a Christian in the in the AMs. I'm a Christian in the PMs. Christian at work. I'm a Christian when you drop your kids off to school. I'm a Christian at the restaurant. I'm a Christian on the freeway. Uh-huh. Come on. You keep working on that one now. <laughs> yeah. That is not the one-way Jesus sign that you've been showing those people on the freeway. You'll get that on the way home. I'm going to just tell the story now. Can I tell you a couple stories? First story. I see a lady that, now this is years ago, so it's not somebody I pastored. This is way back, way back, way back, way back, almost 40 years ago now. Well, 37, I would I would think. And I was the worship leader at the church we attended. And there was a lady that worked with the worship team, sometimes even sang, you know, special songs, you know, during the uh, certain services or events. And I saw her as I was driving down the road. I saw her over here. And so I just kind of beeped the horn and waved. Well, when I beeped the horn and waved, <laughs> yeah, she waved back. She waved back, but she kind of shaped her fingers in such a way. I won't do it. She, aren't you glad? She, she she was good. She she flipped me off. Okay, let me just help you with that. She flipped me off, and she was good at it. You don't get that fast, that good at it. I mean, if you're going to be a quick shooter, you better learn to practice your draw. So, beep, beep. And you, whoa. Whoa. What signal was that? But wait, dear friend. Oh, you should have seen the look on her face when she saw who it was she just flipped off. 
I stopped at a mini mart. Stop and rob. What, you know, whatever you call them. You'll get it later. Yeah, something like that. And I, I stopped and I was going to get a, a soft drink. So I, you know, I came in the door. I walked right up to the fountain, got my cup, doing the ice, and I'm filling my drink up. And I'm just kind of looking around for a second while I'm waiting for my drink to fill up. And I noticed one of the guys that works the altar at the church is over here, standing over here by the magazines. So I finished loading my drink up, put the lid on, grab my straw, I'm going to go over and say hi. I get over there, and he's got a magazine. And uh, you know magazines aren't bad. It depends on which one you're looking at. But this, uh, this is a man who works the altar. You doing okay? So I came, he didn't see me. I came behind him. I wasn't trying to sneak. I mean, he's in a public place with a magazine open. It's a public place. I wasn't sneaking. But I came up behind him. I thought it was going to be a 56 Chevy. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Because I'm not the sharpest guy in the world, but I knew that wasn't a hot rod car. And uh, you should have seen the look on his face. Huh? I don't know how that got in my hands. I'll bet you don't. Huh? Am I helping anybody here in church? I'm talking about the authentic. How did you get so good flipping people off? How did a Christian on the platform? How did you get so good sneaking into men's hearts, looking at dirty pictures? I have made more friends in Barstow today. Just, just my arrival here is just, you guys must really love me that I've came in here to tell you this. Are you glad I'm telling you the truth? Jesus Christ is look is coming back for the real, for the authentic believer, not the make believe believer. I'm not just married when I'm with my wife any more than I'm just a Christian when I'm at church. It's who I am, it's what I do, it's how I order my life. It changes everything. It changes everything. But I don't lean on that other stuff. Some people feed on the world so much that when they're under pressure in their life, it's the world that comes out of them. You know, you take a, you take some red Kool-Aid, strawberry Kool-Aid or whatever, and have it spill on your kitchen cabinet. And you take some towel or sponge or whatever and you mop up the spill and you come over to the sink and you squeeze. Hello, what's coming out? Red Kool-Aid, you're not, there's no mystery to this. You go, look at that. It's red Kool-Aid. Because that's what you sopped up. So if you spend your week sopping up the world, and then pressure comes in your life and the squeeze is on, so to speak, what do you think is going to squeeze out of you? Where'd you learn that? That TV show you insist on watching every week. You compromise with. Now, my wife and I made a commitment years ago. We don't watch programs or we don't watch movies with adultery in it. So we said, well, you're going to limit your choices. Yep, we do. Substantially. But we don't sow that stuff into our lives. If you don't sow it into your life, you don't, whatever you sow, eventually you reap. The devil has something to mess with. I'm trying to help you. I really came to help you. I want you to, I want you to be stronger as a church. I want you to be a stronger Christian. This may not be the most exciting message I've ever preached to you here, but I want you to get it. This is the fake news stuff has got to leave our walk with Jesus and we've got to be truly remnant, part of the original, part of the authentic. Somebody go ahead and say amen.
Amen. Hallelujah. All right, go to Isaiah 6. We're just a few pages away. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. What an interesting passage here. Then said I, this is the prophet Isaiah, Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Now, I started this message today by saying I was a nobody from nowhere until Jesus Christ became King Supreme in my life. Isaiah sees this in himself. I'm undone. Because I'm a man of an unclean lips, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. So what do you do if you find yourself undone? Gave my life to Jesus, but I'm starting to lean on some of that other stuff again. I'm starting to, to, to rely on and go back to some of those old things that I used to do, those habits I, I, I was once bound to, but now look at me. I'm, I'm, I've got to come out of that. I, I, I'm, I'm undone. How do, what do I do? I come and I get in the presence of the authentic one, Jesus Christ, and under that anointing I get delivered and set free. It's like that angel that flies in and takes the coals. And he Listen, Isaiah went from undone to untangled. God wants to take you from undone to untangled, where all the tentacles of that stuff that you had been relying on is gone from your life and broken off of you by the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to live in bondage. Not one more minute. Not one more minute. You don't have to be unhappy with your walk with Jesus because you you have been one thing here and one thing someplace else, another thing somewhere else. You can be you can be the same authentic remnant Jesus Christ man, Jesus Christ woman, Jesus Christ boy or Jesus Christ girl once you leave church as you are when you're in church by the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to invite you to stand with me for a moment. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.